You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with Scott Dunstan, who is the president of the Dunstan Group. And I wanted to talk a little bit uh, with our new guest here, Jonathan Kite from Rent Ready. Now, if you go back and look at Jonathan's uh, career, you can go check him out on LinkedIn. Right out of college, he began his career at Microsoft. We actually were just having a conversation about Robbie Bach, who we had on our podcast, and that was the first person he emailed when he got to Microsoft. So we're so excited to learn about that, but really what he's done since then with his organization and business called Rent Ready. Now, he held a lot of different roles that allowed him to interact with hundreds of different companies, You know, learned how they developed supported and evolved software to really solve business problems. Now, when his two other co-founders approached him with kind of the idea of this startup, he knew the time was right to try something new, fill a gap in the multifamily industry, and that's where Rent Ready comes into place. People right now, if you have a kid or you have somebody that's gotten out of college and they haven't bought their first home and they're paying rent, you are probably just shocked at how much money they have to spend. It's insane. I mean, I lived in South End. And I thought about what I was spending to live in Dilworth, and it was like $1,700 for a bungalow house. That same house now is probably going to cost you 4000 to 4500 and that was only 10 years ago. So rent is out of control. Uh, as my wife being a realtor, she'd be like, buy, buy, buy. But some people can't buy. Maybe they're not in the right scenario. Maybe they're moving into a new place, and that's where Rent Ready can come in and help out. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right into it and learn a little bit more about this amazing organization that you've created. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here, buddy. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm curious. Tell us a little bit about your backstory. Microsoft just fascinates me and everything Brian just said. I'm looking forward to learning more. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, I grew up here in Charlotte. My dream was always to work for Microsoft. Uh, I've been a passionate technologist since a very early age, ripping apart computers that your parents bought back when they probably cost $5,000. Uh, <laughs> and they were huge. And they were huge. The big box. Yeah. I just remember as a kid that, eh, 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 like, you know, and, and I guess I grew up without the internet and the internet, but remember the modem? Whew, oh, yeah. That was wild. Yeah. Couldn't make a phone call yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, started my career at Microsoft, held a bunch of different roles there. I'll just say, amazing company to work for. Uh, incredibly innovative. You're working with some of the smartest people in the world there, learning a lot. Um, my career really had a couple of different phases. I started off kind of doing advisory and support work for enterprise clients and then shifted into more of a consulting role where I was actually going in and helping companies set strategy around how to build and support software and operate that software longer term. But for me, the most meaningful experience was my last role there where I was actually a product manager on an online service team. And it's really difficult to remember, but back before cloud services were consumable to the public, so before AWS, before Azure, there was a time where the concept of taking a business idea and then scaling it globally in under a year was just unimaginable. And so having an opportunity to work on a team that had pre-access to what would become Azure technology in the future to convert a legacy piece of software that engineers used to go on site, install, and then build that into a modern cloud service was really just a remarkable experience in terms of understanding the impact that software and particularly cloud services have on an ability to scale an idea rapidly. And so super fortunate to have had that experience working there to work with some brilliant people and then be able to take those learnings and then apply them to starting my own business. So it's pretty fascinating. You grew up here in, in the Carolinas, you went to UNC, 
but you worked with Microsoft locally here for a while, and then you did make the, the leap over to headquarters, right? So you did go to Seattle and live there. Yep, that's right. So it's called going to the mothership. There you uh, go. <laughs> and so I had to, had to make my trip to the mothership. How long were you there? In total, I was there probably about six and a half, seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, so decent amount. Very yeah. cool. Tell us what you think before we get into the meat. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you think about AI and kind of where things are going. Uh, Microsoft's made the news a great deal lately. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm all for it. Um, I think a lot of people are really nervous about job displacement. And to me, I think this is more job enhancing. Uh, I think it helps people focus on solving higher value problems uh, by reducing kind of repetitive tasks. Like yesterday, Microsoft announced the infusion of ChatGPT mm-hmm. into their entire office suite. And like my mind was just racing in terms of the capability and the possibility that that enables. And so we use it regularly for more internally oriented tasks in terms of development Um, But we're really excited about kind of embracing that and then applying that to how we interact with customers, how we interact with contractors. So I think they're really at the forefront of taking consumer-oriented generative AI and pushing that into the enterprise. And I'm all for that. I'm really excited about the future there. All right. Before we get in, I I got a question, too. So I have a two- and a four-year-old son. And I would say there's two things that worry me on a daily basis. One obviously just all of the, the, the drugs and things that can happen now, right? It's not like we used to, when we grew up, it was like, yeah, had a little bit of weed and some beer and that was kind of it, right? Yeah, that's where you had to worry about. Now we're dealing with fentanyl, we're dealing with pills, we're having a huge opioid issue and there are things where they're affecting everyone, right? So that's one of the things that, that bothers me. I'm like, I got to make sure my kids can have those conversations and we can, you know, learn from that. But the other thing is technology, right? And I, I, you know, my mom is one of the people like, don't give them an iPad. And I'm like, you, you can't restrict your children from learning technology or they're going to be at such a disadvantage as they grow. But what's your advice for people that have young kids as far as not only keeping them safe, but also getting them educated into technology, understanding that it's not going away and you have to be able to, to evolve and, and learn it. But that could be the career path that they do. You obviously understand the technology side better than most. And I don't know if you're a parent or not, but what would be kind of your advice from a technology standpoint, maybe as an overall view for parents? Like, how do we how do we get ahead of it and how do we make sure that it's safe for our kids? But also, how do we educate them so they can learn and continue to grow in that field? Yeah, I'm a soon-to-be parent. Awesome, Uh, congrats. congrats. Thank you. So I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, This may sound a little old school. One of my observations of some of the younger generations is, you know, they're often tagged as kind of digital natives. They grew up with this. I find that there's a very distinct difference in being a digital native and knowing how to use a platform versus understanding how a platform actually operates. And so I often joke, like, will I let my kids use technology Answer is yes, but I'm putting them on Windows 95. There you right? go. And I say that because I think oftentimes, like, they're very adept at knowing how to use an iPhone or an iPad or an Android device. But when you actually have them try to sit down and think through the building blocks that actually create technology or systems or programs, they're often lost. And I think they're often lost because of how advanced modern and consumer focused technology has gotten to a point where I think they really struggle to really understand how it's actually working. So like a classic question that I always ask when we interview someone who might be a product manager or developer is a really simple one. If you open a web browser and you type in www.espn.com, what happens? Mm -hmm. And I'm always shocked at 
younger generation's inability to actually explain technically what is happening. Like, how is it actually like referencing an IP address to retrieve files from a server to then return those files to then like manipulating those files through a browser, through DOM, and then actually like generate content on a web page. Like most younger people can't explain that. And so I think in some sense, like modern technology has removed our ability to think through how it actually is being built and how it actually functions, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Because, and we talk about this a lot. I mean, if you don't have to think about that, it's just there, it's just there, it's just there. You're not really utilizing your brain to understand how that is functioning, right? I, I think I use the example a lot. Like my dad, we were hands-on all the time. Like we built stuff, right? That we were outside all the time. So I might not be, you know, the best electrician, but I can get stuff done, right? And it's all just because we we it was how does things are built? How did this happen? And maybe it's just like when you're nine years old, you're building your own go-kart, you know, and you're just throwing wood together and grabbing tires. But it's kind of that process. But I think you're right. And I don't even think I've ever thought about that. Honestly, like ESPN, click it. All the things that you just mentioned, you're like, huh. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> you, you almost take it for granted now. Exactly. It's like the builder, he looks at a house and he's like, oh, they did that this way or whatever. When the average consumer probably never has no understands idea. or thinks about it. They just walk in the door and live in it. <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that's interesting. I, I want to hear it. So like all of your history here and, and your experience with uh, Microsoft Obviously, you were able to take those tools and what you learned and the networks you built and, and start Rent Ready. Um, so let's hear a little bit about that process, if you will. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you the full founding story. So, you know, a lot of people ask for advice, like, how do you start a company? My number one piece of advice is do it with other people. Don't do it by yourself. I think the weight of and, and just the anxiety of starting a company, having a support network of co-founders, super, super critical. So two other co-founders, one actually worked in the multifamily space. So he worked on site as a property manager, worked his way and built his career in multifamily up to the corporate level. Awesome. And he saw this problem firsthand every day right out of college. Like this is a super manual, offline, fragmented problem. Technology was being applied very aggressively into multifamily, but it was more geared towards resonance and resonant experience and not the operational component of how do you actually preserve a property, maintain a property, and more particularly, how do you get a unit ready for a new resident to move into when a resident moves out? And so that was a very manual process. And he had this kind of founding vision of like, let's just create the Uber of apartment turns, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it's not on an app, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And so that was <laughs> the founding vision. Um, and then I grew up with my second co-founder, Will Brew. We've been friends since middle school. Our dream since middle school was we're going to start a business together someday. Mm -hmm. Never thought it would be a multifamily, but here we are. His background is in private equity. So he always kind of witnessed and helped invest in companies to help build, grow, and scale them. So you had this really great industry insight. You had this really brilliant business mind who knew how to scale and model a business. And the missing piece there was technology. And so they contacted me while I was in Seattle kind of innocently asked a question, hey, what do you know about like scheduling software, scheduling optimization software? I didn't know anything, pretended I did. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm good. Make it I got you that. Make it, I got that. Yeah, yeah. confidence <laughs> yeah. is everything. There you go. Um, and I just love solving problems and solving problems with technology. And so I kind of started going home every night and working on what would be our initial kind of launch platform that we would build the business around and just kind of hit that inflection point where, 
you realize like your experience in your role at work and seeing what you could ultimately do in terms of scaling idea, an idea, and then this brilliant, innovative idea in an industry that was critically underserved, it was the perfect marriage of technology to this problem. And so decided to kind of quit, move back to Charlotte, uh, and really do this full-time and build this business. You know, one of the things that you mentioned when you talk about rent ready and, and, and creating a full turn, you don't realize all the stuff that comes into play when you move out of an apartment, painting, cleaning, carpet service, maintenance, like it has to look perfect for them to come right in. And I'm clear that if, if you don't have somebody living in there every day, every day that somebody isn't is costing you money, right? So you have to make that really quick. I'll use an example when me and my wife, we had lived over in the fountains and it was more of a newer building, but man, these apartment complexes deteriorate so fast. It's almost like how long is it going to be there till it gets knocked down or sold to somebody else that's to come in and gut the whole thing and redo it. Have you seen, honestly, since you guys have built this, companies just going, oh my gosh, this is exactly what we needed. Yeah, I mean, it, absolutely. Because, I mean, you look, even like the fountains, and no, not hating, but when we moved out, I was like, this place is not the same, right, when we moved in. And we only lived there for like 18 months. Like, it was just different. And I was like, man, they got to, I don't know. Went downhill fast. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. And, and a lot of it was, I think, just wear and tear from one to the next. But were they really going in there and taking care of each of those units before they were throwing somebody else in there? And I bet the answer is no. Um, so tell me right now, you know, we work with a lot of really big apartment complex, you know, companies and things like that. How do organizations get in touch with you? I'm assuming this is working directly with, you know, owners of these organizations or of these businesses. But tell us kind of about that business model and how organizations can get in touch with you with that. Yeah, so we traditionally work with, you know, there's a difference between like ownership uh, in terms of like vertical integration versus a fee managed property. Typically, what we see is that regardless of whether it's like fully integrated or fee managed, uh, ultimately, it's either the property manager on site or the maintenance manager who's going to be making this decision. And so, you know, easy to get in contact with us on our website you know, someone from our sales team will reach out uh, to work with them directly. But those are really our kind of primary uh, customers that we're serving. In some cases, owners will kind of help make that decision on behalf of a community because you're absolutely right. Like vacancy and time to get something rentable again has a very tangible impact on NOI, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you take a larger management company and you look at days of occupancy due to turns not actually being facilitated on time, a single day reduction in the time it takes to turn a unit may have up to a million dollar NOI impact, right? Wow. And when we talk to management groups, oftentimes they're kind of in the 10 to 14 day turn time window when the reality is the benchmark for the industry should be more in the three to five day timeline, right? So think about the impact that that would have on a management group across an entire portfolio, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you think about the challenges in the labor force and just the inherent challenge of actually scheduling and coordinating all of these services to begin with. And the picture I like to paint is think about it in the context of your own experience of hiring any type of contractor, right? A handyman, a maintenance man. You got to find them through some service. You kind of want to vet them. You have to then schedule them. They show up and do the work. You then have to pay them. You then have to rate them. And that's just one experience. An average apartment community is going to turn over about 50% of their units every single year. And so an average 200-unit community, that's 100 turns, and there are usually five services that happen. And we just talked about two or three touch points per vendor interaction. 
So that's thousands of interactions that they're having to go through to do this. And so for us, like our whole purpose is really to help streamline and improve that using technology for the site teams who frankly should be more focused on servicing the residents that are actually in that community. I love that. We talk about it all the time, especially in our business. We take the burden of you having to do our job, right? Like you shouldn't have to go out and find creative, unique ideas. You need to focus on your own business. And I can imagine if you are a maintenance manager and you're the one having to coordinate with all these contractors, you're the one having to schedule them. And then Bob doesn't show up and that pushes it back another day. So I love on your website, you guys say solving an old age problem with technology. Tell us how you guys scaled this business. Um, I, I believe you are local here in Charlotte. I was looking at your office, which looks awesome, by the way. Well done on that. Thank you. Um, how, how, I guess, tell us how the business has gone. I'm, sh- I'm assuming with technology, you guys can scale this anywhere, right? And, and it doesn't really necessarily matter. But how does that actually work? Are you, if there's somebody in, let's say, Seattle, yep. and they have a bunch of units, is all of this automated and then you're connecting into those contractors in that area and then they're doing that work. Tell us how that kind of comes together. Yeah, so internally we say we have kind of two areas of expertise, building technology, which I think we've been talking about, but the other is actually procurement. So building contractor networks and then managing those contractor networks, Mm -hmm. that's half of the battle. And so for us to service a different market that we're not in, and so right now we're just in the Southeast in nine different markets, Uh, we really have to hit a point of kind of market liquidity, right? Where you're essentially doing a supply and demand juggling or balancing act where you need to make sure that the demand is present to actually facilitate enough supply and vice versa, right? So we actually consider our customer, our core customer to not only be the apartment community, but also the contractor that we're servicing. And we've applied just as much technology on the contractor side to solve the problem because as much as a problem as the community has, the contractors also have that same problem because there's friction on both sides. So we're really building a marketplace. And so when we have demand be generated in a new market, when we can get that demand to a a specific tipping point, that's when we'll invest in building out that procurement uh, effort and build out that contractor network in that market. I guess your technology allows you to track all the data and and keep it keep track of what you just mentioned? I mean, you have to be able to make that decision somehow, or is that just all market research? Combination of market research, and then also a lot of data analytics around supply and demand modeling Mm -hmm. and projection modeling in terms of what is happening in occupancy rate in a particular market, what our customers actually using, what is time to order, what month of the year are you in? Because this uh, demand does not follow like a linear progression, right? It's very seasonal. It has this huge curve in the summer, which kind of mimics like your traditional real estate market. What has been the response from the contractors? I feel like if, if you're a contractor and you get approached by Rent Ready, and you, you might be a little skeptical at the beginning, just being like, well, is this going to work? But And then it automates everything, brings you more business. What has been the, the kind of feedback on that side of it? They freaking love it. I bet. <laughs> they love it. Yeah. Yeah. I Just bet. like you thought they yeah, would. I yeah. bet they freaking love it. I'm surprised you don't have other industries. I'm sure they do calling you like, can we do this in the paint industry? Can we do that? You know, just in general, um, because the technology around that, I mean, why not? Um, yeah, we've and we've made a number of very intentional decisions to make working for Rent Ready like 10x better yep. than actually just doing this on your own, right? So we, one of the primary benefits is we advance payment cycle to contractors, right? 
So if an uh, individual contractor goes and sells their services to an apartment, they're going to be put on net 30, 45, maybe 60-day terms. They're going to be chasing checks. We're depositing on a weekly basis, right? And we're displaying that through the app so they understand. So that helps cash flow, helps them grow their businesses, not getting 10, 15 different text messages, emails, phone calls from your 10, 15 clients, just getting that through a push notification on your app, seeing that on a calendar, like that full transparency is just incredible for them to the point where we can work with the contractor and they'll love it so much that they'll then go approach customers they have that we haven't engaged with yet and convert them into customers for Ren Ready. Brilliant. Do We're going to start doing that yeah. for our customers, right? We're uh, not no more net thirty. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. That, most ignore that anyway. <laughs> um, I like this cash flow ready <laughs> policy. This is solid. Tell us about how you, well, if if you can, how you generate revenue and 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 sort of your vetting process for both ends of that spectrum you just described. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think. One, we do a ton of research on market rates, right? And so we'll understand like what the median price point, max, min price points are in a market. And we try to hit right at that median, right? We do the same thing on the contractor side. And that entire exercise I just walked you through in terms of advancing payment and then also increasing business usually means that contractors are willing to uh give up some margin for that, in right. that equation, right? It's worth it to them to get paid on a weekly basis. And that's really where we scrape margin in that transaction. And so what we do for clients is we provide a consolidated invoice as opposed to them getting five, six different invoices or, or maybe not even an invoice. They might just get a piece of paper handed to them. Uh, and that is makes it super easy for them. And then we manage and handle the collection from the customer and then pay the contractor on a weekly basis. And that reduction of friction is what allows us to generate enough value to then be able to scrape margin in the actual transaction. It's fascinating. In terms of the vetting component, again, we've got a whole procurement team that we go through uh, to kind of validate kind of capacity that they have, quality, reputation. But then the other big piece that we do, because quality is kind of like the preeminent thing that apartment communities are looking for in terms of acquiring these services, is our technology actually, when a contractor completes work, will connect them over video to someone on our team who will actually then do a wall-to-wall entire unit review of work quality wow. with that contractor in real time. And we don't use that as like a punitive measure. That's more of a coaching opportunity to ensure that, you know, what could you do better in this particular unit? And kind of the psychology of just providing that service, many contractors will kind of self-identify, you know, I could have done a better job on that. Let me fix that real quick, right? And so that helps provide guarantee to the customer around quality. It also helps provide guarantee to the contractor that we're there to support them and make sure that they're doing good work, which ultimately yields more business for them in the long run. Yeah, I mean, I love that. I, I feel like if you had to run in and you had 27 apartments to, to turn, you might you know, miss that corner and not have to worry about it. It happens. But when you have video coming in after, you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to make sure I get this one perfect. <laughs> Changes the game. It's like, you know, when your parents are around, you're probably not going to do the same things when your parents aren't around. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> same kind of thing. That's right. I love that. Um, so tell us a little bit about, you know, the culture. I love on your website, you guys, uh, it says you're innovative, honest, we're dedicated, but the biggest one is we are a team, right? And you mentioned the importance of bringing 
you know, more or, or founders together, uh, co-founders together to make this happen. And I love how you guys, it all came together, right? You were the technology side. You had all of the different areas that you need to run that business. How have you guys scaled that? How many employees do you have? And just give us a little bit of a rundown of, of the business right now. How many you know customers are you working with on a daily basis? Tell us about that, about the organization. Yeah. So our team is kind of broken up into logical like functions, right? So obviously development, uh, product management, that's a, a whole division. We probably have about 36 people working in that. And that's a very intentional investment because mm -hmm. the future of this business is really pushing that technology, pushing that innovation into this industry. We do have uh, obviously a sales team. Um, and then we do have dedicated teams for each side of this platform or marketplace. So we have individuals who are dedicated to each apartment community. Uh, they're there as a person to support them, to help uh, coach them through how to improve the turn process, how to use the technology, answer any questions, resolve any problems that they have. We do the same thing on the contractor side, right? Because they have problems as well. And then having the ability to kind of call somebody to get support on whatever it may be, like, hey, I'm, I'm in a unit and the power's off. What do I do? Or the water's not turned on. Like, I need help resolving this so I can do my job. Mm -hmm. So we've invested a lot in making sure that we're supporting both sides of that platform. We've got about 42 employees in total helping support all of that oh. um, wow. here. And then we've also built a lot of kind of international development capability mm -hmm. as well to facilitate that. So uh, all in, it's probably roughly 75 individuals, 42 here in Charlotte, and then the rest are kind of distributed globally. Um, across that team, we're supporting probably roughly 175 clients um, and then probably 165 contractors. So over 300 relationships split across the two sides of the marketplace. And when you talk about these clients, are you working with the, the biggest of the bigs when it comes to those apartments? And you don't have to mention who they are. Um, but yeah. I mean, it seems like, like any industry, um, there's a lot of organizations that are acquiring other organizations and getting larger very quickly. And it seems like the ones that do a really good job of this apartment management have scaled dramatically in the last eight to 10 years. Um, so you don't have to name who they are, but I'm assuming that those are the ones who are like, yes, yeah. we would love to work with you. This yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, so we work with probably 25 of the top 50 awesome. management companies across the country. Um, sometimes that might just be at the site level, that also may be at a higher level. I think one of the unique things about this industry is there's a lot of consolidation, to your point, in these larger management companies mm -hmm. who might oversee a thousand communities across the entire country, right? That represent over a hundred thousand units. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of density in that relationship. And so while we absolutely are built and geared towards supporting and selling to the site level, one apartment community at a time, we're also there to help support someone above that level at maybe a regional level. And actually that's probably where we add even more value in terms of helping provide standardization of the process through the technology, uh, the ability to help reduce turn time, the ability to help standardize price point. Because again, this is like a very fragmented offline industry. So if you talk to a regional manager in Charlotte who may be responsible for 15 to 20 communities, he or she may actually be managing upwards of 100 to 120 vendor relationships across all of those communities, all with different price points, all with different process, all with different invoicing standards. And so the further up the stack we go, the more value we tend to add mm -hmm. from a technology side. So this seems like a, you mentioned, oh, I never thought I'd be in multifamily, right? Yeah. But really the capabilities of this technology that you're creating 
could easily go into other divisions or other industries, excuse me. Um, what's the future of rent ready? Do you see this as a platform that you could scale and sell into other industries as well? Yeah, absolutely. So short term rentals, single family rentals, uh, commercial turnover, this problem exists really in multiple verticals. For us, what we're really excited about in terms of the multifamily vertical is there are 24 million units across the entire United States. Wow. So this problem is huge. And so we're, we're hyper-focused on multifamily right now, but in terms of what the future holds, I think this problem exists in other verticals and this technology is applicable in other verticals as well. I agree. With an app like that, I'm just curious as how these get developed. Is it is it something you build internally or is it something is is the app building process somewhat something you contract out, so to speak? Yeah, we build it internally. Yeah. So, so you own it all and yep. you can control everything. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time working with customers and contractors understanding what those pain points were, what they needed. Uh, and we've really focused on building very tight knit integration between the two apps, right? So customers have an app, contractors have an app. Those two things are talking to one another all of the time. And really what we're trying to do is kind of create, it's somewhat cliche, but like the easy button on both sides, mm -hmm. right? Like the ability to take four or five phone calls, scheduling, sequencing that an onsite manager would be doing in an offline world and making that a one button, one second process where you're feeding their experience like hundreds of contractors availability in real time and then dispatching to, you know, hundreds of contractors in real time. That's a really magical experience for them. Mm -hmm. Likewise, very magical on the contractor side to just have work constantly being pushed to you and see that. So, yeah. And I love on your website, you can click tools and you can see kind of an example of, of how you guys streamline these turns. And it seems super user-friendly. Like, for somebody, I feel like a grandma could pull this up and just crush it. <laughs> I'm serious. It, it seems very digestible. Awesome. It seems very it easy look. to implement. And, and as you know, our business, we always challenge ourselves to, to continue to evolve the technology that we use. And we went through an entire technology overhaul over two years ago. And it was tough, right? It was, it was, it was painful. But now we look back on it and we're like, how did we even work in the last environment? You know, nothing's automated. We're utilizing multiple different systems. But now that is, it's worked and it's like, man, what's next? Like, what else can we implement? How can we continue to, to grow and evolve? And you guys have already nailed that. Um, where, where is your office, by the way, in Charlotte? Right down the road. Right down the road. So yeah. we're kind of in that Freemore West area okay. uh, near Rhino Market and Pinkies. Yeah. yeah, great location. We love it. Yeah. yeah. Town Brewing right next to you. Yeah, um, we frequent it often. That is so Noble awesome. Noble Smoke's a little too close. Bossy <laughs> yeah. Beulahs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, every, all of that. Yes, um, all very good. So you mentioned a little bit about, you know, getting this platform obviously ready to implement into other, you know, industries. What What is kind of your goal? You know, now that you guys have, have an established brand, you have an established clientele, you guys are obviously continuing to grow that. What are your goals in the next couple of years and what do you see this this group growing? Our mission statement is to fundamentally change the multifamily industry and really create the default standard for how a unit gets turned. So we want to be that household name. Our goal is to expand nationally. We want to be in all 50 MSAs across the country. And again, we want to change the way this industry is operating. Huge opportunity to do that. Um, and that's really our preeminent goal, our preeminent focus. We think all of the building blocks in place are there for us to do that. 
I mean, our expansion in the last two years has been dramatic, as has been our growth. And so we will continue to push on that and continue to focus on expanding nationally. I think longer term beyond that, we'll start to investigate how do we take this problem solving and this technology and apply it to different verticals. But right now we are laser focused on changing the multifamily industry. Is this something that you could do globally as well or something that you want to do globally? You know, we got our first like set of international requests last year, which was kind of a shocker. Yeah. Um, I don't know enough about like the international market to really answer that question, but I don't see any reason why this couldn't apply internationally. Totally. So even if you were to connect with another company and create some type of partnership where, where you're utilized, basically you, I don't want to say you sell the technology, but they could utilize that platform. I mean, it seems like something that would easily work. Um, I say easily. <laughs> I, have <no laughs> idea. I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, how many states are you guys in currently? Yeah, so we're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Okay. And nine markets across those those four states. Okay, so tons of room to grow into Ton, that. Tons yeah. of room in the Southeast is booming in yeah. terms of multifamily, new construction, people kind of moving to the Southeast. So it's been a great place to start a business. Um, I was looking on, I'm on your website, and you guys, it seems like the culture is amazing. And it seems like you guys have hired amazing people and, and just the whole entire, um, you know, mission statement and things that you guys stand for. What do you guys do outside of the office, right? As far as, you know, in the community, do you guys have anything that you guys are super passionate as an organization or do you open that up to your employees? I always like to connect kind of organizations that continue to grow. And the ones that I think are super successful are also the ones that look into their community and say, hey, like, how can we help out? So what do you guys do in that scenario or what are you guys passionate about? Yeah, I think we don't do it in a super organized fashion, like company-wide, mm -hmm. but certain teams absolutely will do that. I think one of the things that we continue to try to explore is how can we apply this at a very like in a very cost-effective way to affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And I think affordable housing is something that we're passionate about in terms of you know, many of them can't afford these types of services. Mm -hmm. And like, we're working with our contractors to figure out how can we do this at a reduced rate to help support affordable housing communities to really create the same solution for them in a way that maybe it would have been cost prohibitive for them in the past. So I think that's one area that we're trying to really push in this year. And then I think outside of that, like we kind of take functional expertise and then apply that to specific areas, right? So like technology is a good example where we have gone and done like taken our technology team and gone and taught like technology classes at kind of uh, transitional living type facilities, um, which I think was a very rewarding experience as well. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, so my last question to you is when are you going to become a dad? Later this year. Oh, so September. Time Do you know frame. if it's a boy or a girl? We don't know. Are you going to wait? We're going to wait. Look at surprise. I, cool. You are unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. I, can't, I don't even it's know how you people the best do that. And biggest surprise of it, the life. I, it totally really. is. We couldn't wait. Yeah. I got two boys and we, we just couldn't. We didn't wait. We literally <laughs> opened up the envelope, like FaceTiming people. Um, well, that's awesome. Being a dad's going to be fantastic. You're going to love it. Super um, excited. Well, this has been so cool, man. Jonathan, I, everything that you guys have been able to create would love to, uh, to come see you know, your, uh, your organization and meet the people. Um, it's exciting to see people that grew up here. You, you flew to the mothership, you came back from the mothership and now you've established this company. And we have these stories on our podcast all the time, but the city is filled with just amazing people, um, that give back, but that are super intelligent. And I just love the vibe of like people that leave Charlotte 
like it's a city that people want to come back to, mm-hmm. right? And so th- how, how awesome is it that we got a guy that went to Microsoft, learned from the mothership, and now has come back here and implemented this business with obviously your other co-founders. It's something you should be super proud of, but as a charlatan and, and people that live here, it, that these are the stories we love telling, right? Because that elevates not only our city, you're employing a bunch of people, but you're creating something that's so unique and something that creates a solution. And look, that's how businesses are successful. Find a problem and solve it. Um, it's awesome. Yeah. I got nothing, man. You're freaking great. <laughs> really cool, for sure. I know. You and Robbie Box, smart people. They hire, they hire smart people over there at Microsoft. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, kidding. Well, hey, keep up the great work. We, we'd love to, uh, to follow the journey. Um, if you guys are, are listening, please, you know, like, share, comment, like we always said, go check out Rent Ready, especially if you are a contractor that, you know, supports these organizations. If you are, you know, an owner of apartment complexes, if you're an organization that supports uh, apartment complexes, this is technology you need to know about. If you don't know about it, contact me or Scott. We'll get you in contact with Jonathan. Uh, it's something you need to implement. And I can honestly look at this and say, in five years, people are going to be like, wait, you, you haven't, you don't use rent ready, <laughs> you know, like, because why not? You know, like it just seems great. So, um, thank you for joining us, man. This was awesome to learn more about uh, you and your story. Yeah. Really appreciate the time and the opportunity. It's been a, a pleasure. Love it. Thank you, sir. Excellent. Until next time you've been listening to this episode of the award-winning brand builders podcast. You've been listening to the brand builders podcast brought to you by the Dunstan group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.